You're listening to The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Allison Klein. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Alice Mira. Eoch Tanuyap. Kwiget Yuans Kwiensna. Hi, everybody. My name is Kwiget Yuans. I'm a member of the Squamish Nation and the Yagalanis Clan of the Haida Nation. You're listening to Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. We live, work, play, and broadcast from the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. This episode is about the Vancouver International Push Festival, which I have been going quite regularly for a number of years now. And this is my second year volunteering, so even more exciting. But before that, let's put on our theme song, Possibilities by Key, Sarah. Oh, 
The song you just heard is Possibilities by Key Sarah. Key Sarah is a mother-daughter duo from Ontario, and the daughter who is singing is on the autism spectrum. You're listening to The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Alison Klein. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Alison Mira. This episode is about the Vancouver International Push Festival, which is happening January 18th to February 4th. My first guest today is Andrea Kaun-Den, who is the new accessibility coordinator for the PUSH Festival. So exciting. She has a background as a professional dancer. She works with All Bodies Dance. Andrea also worked with All Bodies Dance, The Vocal Eye, and Colin Van Uschelen on how people who are blind and low vision experience dance and dance projects, which was really neat to watch. Thank you so much, Andrea, for being on my show. Oh, thanks for having me, Allison. I'm excited to be here with you. Off the bat, what inspires you to do accessibility and now accessibility for the PUSH Festival? Oh, thanks for asking. I've been drawn into the work of accessibility really via community. Just through my interest in all bodies dance, which came through a dancer friend of mine who was working for them, I started at first attend just attending classes because their classes are free for all people to attend. And then through that interest, um, my involvement with that project you were talking about, translations, uh, kind of happened organically. And from there, I continued to build relation with Colin Van Uschlin and think more about accessibility for blind and low vision folks. I also had the chance to work with Amy Amanti at Vocali. And so it's really been a very organic, um, community-based unraveling of relationships that brought me into this role at PUSH. And I'm inspired uh, to do the work because I believe in community and I feel honored to be called into community to try to do what I can in small ways to make the world a little bit less ableist. I love how just to have the world a little bit less ableist as well, any which way to get ableism out the door. Mm -hmm. and, and coming from a professional dance background, I, I really want to acknowledge that the teachings that come from the disabled community about ableism are really have been really beneficial to me personally as a person without a disability because it gives me language to express my own needs and boundaries and to work through the intimacy of like negotiating shared space. And so I also want to acknowledge that like professional dance doesn't um, necessarily like is a very ableist environment. And so it's been really, really, really beneficial to me to have this language and accessibility framework to to help advocate for myself and for my community in spaces. I think I think everyone benefits when we acknowledge our own humanity, personhood, limitation. And it what I like to say and how I see the world is that even though we're focused on one group or one particular group within the disability 
community, it does benefit everyone, not just that one group. So even though we're trying to make the world more accessible for the disability community specifically, it does benefit everyone around us. Yeah, I like to acknowledge the way I benefit and walk the line of acknowledging the way I benefit, but not centering myself in the work because it's also like about access for people who've been historically and systemically left out. So that's not me. It's that historical and systemic oppression almost. What have been some of the highlights since you started this new position? Oh, meeting people. Meeting people like yourself, Allison. Yeah, definitely. That's been my favorite part. The accessibility training sessions, which is something that my predecessor in the role, Annika Viverkin, started. It's an initiative where we bring together the PUSH staff and volunteer community, as well as partners in other performing arts organizations around the city to learn together from people with lived experience about how, what we can do to make these theater spaces more accessible. And so it, those were really, um, we had three throughout December, and those were really wonderful opportunities for me to learn as well, and also just to really get to meet people and actually do the work face-to-face instead of behind a computer. I'm thinking, hoping the festival, which opens in just over a week, will also give more time to meet people and be face-to-face because that's what I find most exciting. That is so exciting. And I love meeting people as well. And those accessibility trainings were so good. Thank you. It was so much fun to just attend and meet people and see people from other festivals who I knew also know. That was a lot of fun. Thanks for being there. And thanks for giving your excellent presentation. That was something else that it's good experience. It's really a good experience to do. Yeah, it's interesting to to gather a community of volunteers and other arts people and try to get a sense of where are the gaps in their knowledge or where, what they want to be reminded of as we kind of work to make a more community-oriented, collective approach to making accessible spaces, not just about putting particular programming things in place, which we've done that as well, and I'm sure we'll talk about, but that was a challenge and, and interesting. It is a challenge. It is very much a challenge to put programming in place and putting things into that type of space and finding what works the best for what community and what works the best overall and where, (laughs) where, when, Yeah, all of that. These are the challenges of this year. And I was lucky to be able to work with some consultants from different communities help me make those choices but I, I do I do feel like the experience of this festival and the feedback that we get from it will really inform how to keep making those choices in a better way as we go forward because there's just so much that you can't know until you try so that's what a lot of what this festival has been like for me um, or preparation for the festival is just acknowledging that it has to be a learning experience at the same time as trying to put the right things in place as as best I can. To put the right things in place the best you can. I think the goal is not perfection, but progress. Uh, Thank you for that. That's what Amy has taught, Amy Amanti has taught me as well. The goal is not perfection, but progress. That's good. Oh, there was, yeah. And I, like I said before, there was a lot of progress made uh, in the past in this role. And so I really appreciate all the work that Annika did to get things in place. But this year, I'll, I'll progress. I'll progress, at least. I'm learning so much. <laughs> it is. It's a huge task, and it's a huge learning curve. With that, don't go anywhere, because there will be more on the self-advocate. 
on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Allison Klein. Hey, Jim, did you know you can adopt a show for less than $20? Really? So does that mean for 100 bucks I could adopt a whole month? Yeah, and if you're cheap, you can choose February and just pay 80 bucks. Vancouver Cooperative Radio. CFRO 100.5 FM. You're listening to The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Alison Klein. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Alison Mira. This episode is on the Vancouver International Push Festival, which is happening January 18th to February 4th. And right now I am talking with Andrea Cowden, who is the Accessibility Coordinator. What have been some of the more difficult parts of creating accessibility and bringing accessibility into this festival? A lot of it has just been on my end, just trying to figure out kind of boring administrative stuff like timelines and workflows and how to communicate uh, with a lot of different, I think the festival I don't know, has like 17 different shows. So there's just a lot of different balls in the air and people to check in with because there's not just the artist, but the venue and the co-presenter and the people on the push team and the co-presenter team, a lot of people to communicate with. And so for me, one of the big challenges is just figuring out the way that that communication flows, but that's maybe a kind of boring administrative answer (laughs) but this but it's part of the work that I'm learning about that it's that the work of coordination is is really is really real and and then working also with the consultants on my end to make sure that what we're coming up with is right and it's just a lot of a lot of literal coordination they don't call it accessibility coordinator for nothing so that's a challenge and I think one thing that maybe you're going to ask me this later on but I'll start segueing to it because it's positive more positive one of the challenges is because I'm an artist myself all of the artists all of everyone even not just artists like all of the people I meet with are extremely well-intentioned and open and keen and they want to say yes to everything yes I'll make a visual story or yes I'll make a descriptive introduction for deaf and hard of hearing audiences about the sound score of my work or everyone says yes which is nice I think culture has shifted and people know when I say, oh, I'm the accessible push coordinator, they know what accessibility is and they know that it's important. So I feel like we're there. But these artists or arts orgs that we're working with are just under a lot of limitations materially on their time. And so that's been challenging because I think the next piece is to make sure that there's resources in education, but also even to compensate people for the extra labor of putting the actual work into making a, a really good visual story or, or hiring their own consultants to make sure that the access documents and supplementary things that they create really match the spirit of their work. I think that can be really creative and fulfilling work, as I know from the, the description stuff I've done personally, but it takes a lot of time and resources. And so people are saying, saying yes, and finding that time, but I feel like it'd be really nice to figure out ways to support artists who are already under so much stress uh, and limited resources to, wait, to support them with being able to make those documents happen in a really good way that, that feels good. It doesn't feel like I'm asking for one more thing from these people who are already under a lot of 
a lot of stress? It's a combination of two things. It's not only coordinating with a whole bunch of different people to get things running, but it's also the pressure of an artist to create resources when they don't have a lot of resources or time themselves. They're limited on their own resources and time and understanding. So it's very much pressurized and to figure out ways to alleviate that pressure. Yeah, that's yeah. Thanks for putting it succinctly. That's totally it. And because I do recognize that, yeah, the artist does have this insight into their work that I as an outsider could watch a video of something and say, oh, I think this is what the sound is trying to do, for example, but it's so much more meaningful um, if if they're able to do it or, yeah, they just have an intimate knowledge of their work and it can become part of the visual stories that have, that the artists have created. They're so beautiful, you know, and you see the care, the care they have for their work and the way they understand it. And I've been loving getting to proofread them <laughs> because they are so lovely and it, because they come from the artist's voice, you get to feel their their love for their own show and it feels like this intimate look at it and so I really recommend the visual stories just because they're nice um and and I, yeah I really do think it's best when the artist is able to do it so yeah how can we resource them it's part of the artistry and I think it's cool that people people are starting to get that but how do we make sure that that it's um just that they are that they're resourced in a good way to do it so it can be a good experience for them and not just one more thing on their list segueing from that how is push being accessible is there vocal eye you did yeah. mention also visual stories yeah. so visual stories are stories for and preamble for the actual theater the actual performance is there going to be ASL interpretation. What, what are we doing? What are we <laughs> yeah, doing? what have I been up to? Let me tell you. Okay, we have Vocal Eye is partnering with Push again this year. We're very grateful to have them um, bring their expertise to the festival for a live described performance of Lorenzo, which is at the Annex on January 19th. If there are any blind or low vision folks who are listening to this, that's an awesome opportunity. Vocali, they have headsets so that people can listen to a real-time description of this show, which is a one-man show. It's really funny and heartwarming and has some very surprising visuals that uh, we're, we're excited to hear described. But it's a very funny, uh, he's a comedian and an actor, so it's it's going to be a lovely evening. That's with Vocal Eye. And then we also have The Shadow Whose Prey the Hunter Becomes, uh, which is going to have ASL interpretation on February 2nd at 7.30. And that's by Back to Back Theater from Australia, which is a world-renowned integrated, I think, theater company from Australia. They've presented work at PUSH before the Democratic set that I participated in with my friends, and it was awesome. This is a more traditional play, and it also has uh, surtitles. So this is this is interesting that there'll be ASL and surtitles for the, surtitles for the whole run and ASL for one evening of that show, making it uh, accessible to our deaf and hard of hearing patrons if those means work for them. And then we also are offering a relaxed performance of, of that same play of The Shadow Whose Prey the Hunter Becomes. That's on February 3rd, the matinee, which is quite exciting. Oh, yeah, you'll be there. Allison will be there. I'm so excited. 
to be there. I've like bothered poor Larissa, who's the volunteer coordinator, to get those shifts specifically for accessibility. Yes, it's going to be great. I'm doing a site visit this Friday uh, for them. So yeah, so, so those excited. are some of the main, those are like some of the special programming with dates, but uh, there also are on our website, there's like tags for blind and low vision friendly, for deaf and hard of hearing friendly, um, and the for relaxed performances, or not relaxed, sorry, extra live performances. So these are, there's a whole number of shows that just by their, without any modification or intervention, like no ASL or no um, description or no relaxed performance, might provide a more welcoming environment to particular people with access needs. And so one of them that I'm really excited about is Asses Masses, which is a video game that the audience plays through collectively and consecutively over like seven hours and it's part of our extra live programming and the makers of that show I was really moved they have a really comprehensive and beautiful accessibility document that makes I hope will make folks feel very welcome and taking care of themselves throughout this kind of spectacular video game play hybrid wonderful theater experience so folks are are, are certainly welcome to check that out in, in an extra live very like loose and relaxed environment yeah that's that's what I was just felt excited about I wanted to shout them out we also have some shows that just have captioning all the time for those who might appreciate captioning that's La Mortelle Une Cathédrale en Savelli, which has surtitles. We also have a dance show that has some speaking in multiple languages and including English and all of the spoken text is surtitled. That's Ramenengina. And then we have The Shadow Whose Prey the Hunter Becomes with surtitles that I, I mentioned already. That's so exciting. There's a lot of just accessibility built right into the show. Well, we'll see how it goes this year, but I think the strategy that the consultants and I were kind of working with is is trying to work with the shows that are kind of already already there and meet them where they're at. We also have shows that are that are extra live and even the shows that aren't extra live, we are working to create visual stories. Not for we don't have 100% visual stories, but we we do ha have visual stories coming coming in just as we speak actually, so that even that shows that aren't marked as extra live or relaxed, people could have the opportunity to take a look at what to expect at that show and make the decision if it's right for them. And on that note, I, it's already been happening and I, I loved it. I love getting an email at access at pushfestival.ca. If someone is doesn't want to navigate the website or whatever and just wants to say, hey, you know, this is me, this is what I'm into, these are my access needs, do you have any recommendations? And um, I'm super, more than happy to to give my opinion and pass on any documents if it's like, oh, does this one, can you give me more information about that or what about this? Uh, yeah, I love that kind of, like I said, I love the kind of meeting people and personable work. So I welcome I welcome those types of emails and I'll do my best to, to help anyone with navigating, sharing whatever information I know. That's so exciting. <laughs> Before we talk about your contact info. What do you hope for the future for the PUSH Festival and creating accessibility at the PUSH Festival? Yeah, I think this piece I was mentioning earlier about figuring out ways to support artists sooner and just more so that they can be 
on the team more, helping create these documents. And I also think this is happening already, as you're saying, there's lots of shows that just have access built in. And so I think uh, it's already happening, but it's nice to see that Gabrielle, our director of programming, is, I think, as she's out out in the world looking for shows to bring to push, that she's she's thinking of access from the from the start, you know, so that we can program shows that already have already have channels of access for folks built in instead of kind of coming in because the festival really ultimately is kind of the last stop on the train for for these pieces these plays like so it's really exciting when the accessible measures be that description or interpretation or relaxed environment when they're or surtitles are built in with a more diverse audience in mind from the start so I think this is already happening it's exciting for me when I see works programmed that have that reflect that kind of ethos of accessibility not as afterthought but as essential to the work to have the accessibility at the forefront and mm-hmm. instead of let's take accessibility and tack accessibility on afterwards and just looking for ways that we can push has resources for accessibility so looking for ways that we can integrate integrate these into the artists that we work with so that the works can be really strong even better for accessibility and more collaborative, more expressive ways of accessibility. How can the listener find Push Festival and get more information? And if they don't want to navigate the website and but still have access needs? You can find the festival online at pushfestival.ca and there you can navigate through online to buy tickets and to access those tabs I was talking about that can select for low vision friendly programming or relaxed performance extra live as you wish. If you would like to contact me directly for that information, you are more than welcome to. You can email me at access at pushfestival.ca and you could also call me, although I'm not always in office, I would will um, respond to voicemail if I'm not there. You could call me at 604-605-8284, extension 204. And lastly, I'll also include a phone number for our patron services. So if you're looking to buy a ticket but don't want to navigate online, you can give them a call. They're super friendly and helpful. That's 604-449-6000. So like 6,000. 604-449-6000. That's patron services. I think that's all the contact info that is relevant. Thank you so much, Andrea. So go check them out on their website at Mm. pushfestival.ca or you can email Andrea at access at pushfestival.ca or phoning Andrea. We also have print programs around town still. So for those who enjoy flipping through real life objects, um, we we have a print program that you can, I don't know where they are, but they're they're all, they're in stacks at your local coffee shops and things, community centers, places like that. So that's another option. And the print program will have information about each show and you can kind of read, read blurbs and whatnot. So. And go find a print copy of, the programming at the local coffee shop. So go find one of those out. 
Thank you so much, Andrea, for being on my show. Thanks, Allison, for having me. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Don't go anywhere because there will be more on The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Allison Klein. Sitting at home, flicking through your Spotify, wishing for something new. Pop on over to Bandcamp right now and search for Vancouver Co-op Radio. From there, you can see our three albums, Anthems from the Alley, Volumes 1 and 2, and From Pigeon Park to Wall Street, all available for streaming and purchase. Do you dig all three? Buy all of them for a discounted price of $15. Explore folk, alternative, progressive rock, art rock, experimental, blues, poetry, and world music. Go to Bandcamp right now and find us at Vancouver Co-op Radio. You're listening to The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Alison Klein. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Alison Mira. So this episode is all about the PUSH Festival happening January 18th to February 4th. My next guest today is Daniel, one of the co-producers for the show The Shadow, Whose Prey the Hunter Becomes. This show is happening February 1st to 3rd online and February 1st to the 4th at the York Theatre in Vancouver. It is produced by a world-renowned theatre company in Australia, Back to Back Theatre. The company is driven by an ensemble of actors who are perceived to have intellectual disabilities and is considered one of Australia's most important cultural exporters. Thank you so much, Daniel, for being on my show. It's a great pleasure. Off the bat, what drives you and drives back-to-back theatre to put on a performance with actors and characters who have disabilities? I think that the um, sort of origin stories of the company, uh, which I was not a part of, um, but they're very inspiring, um, came about because... uh, there was a community that was interested in making theatre uh, in Geelong and there were a bunch of really interesting theatre makers that were interested in in working with them. It really was, uh, I think, has always been, um, its strength lies in its uh, focus on the work that's being made. Um, you know, the, the ensemble um, is regardless of perceived abilities, um, you know, the only full-time acting ensemble in Australia uh, with permanent membership and um, one of the few that makes work that is driven from the ensemble, that is generated by the ensemble from the ground up and developed over many years and and shaped according to their interests and their their skills and their storytelling and, um, you know, the way they see the world. So uh, in that respect, it's kind of, um, of course, it's uh, revelatory for many to see performers that they perceive to be disabled performing at such a high level, um, you know, of artistry. 
but for us, it 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 sort of it it feels very um very much just prioritizing artistic practice, you know, and 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 of course that's a simple statement, but it goes through all the layers of how that we treat all of our company members and all the people that come to work with us. Um, it's the I think the the sort of um, the overarching ethical proposition is is so strong because it caters to individual needs at a really deep level. It doesn't just make concessions. It's not about, you know, providing access for a few or, um, you know, the, the sorts of um, Band-Aid work that are in a lot of sort of perceived mainstream spaces try and make adaptations or try and make accommodations. It's really in the DNA of the company and how it makes the work and how the art is made. Um, and that's just... I mean, just that's the, the smallest just in the world. I mean, that's what defines, I think, the great theatre artists of our time um, uh, across the world is, you know, people who work with, you know, in an authentic way with the people they're in the room with, with the concerns that are meeting them every day and um, and, and transmuting those into, into something poetic and, and something political. Um, depending on the mood and uh, uh and, in, and in this show it really zeroes in on on the politics of that it's not just making the accessibility and putting in the accessibility or building in accessibility it's afterwards putting the accessibility in afterwards it's putting accessibility into the forefront and meeting the needs of each individual in the forefront and coming at it with meeting you on that day instead of the longer term. That's absolutely spot on. That was more concise than what I, I managed to mangle. Um, yeah, that's right. And and um, and I think that the uh, the quality of what they end up doing as a result is just extraordinary. It is to have that in the forefront instead of in the background because you get more of an understanding and more of a deeper understanding into the daily lives of people with disabilities. That's right. And, and I mean, on the, on the sort of slightly negative side of that equation, it's worth saying that um, there is never a situation where a performer is sort of being required to do something, you know, a sort of culturally homogenous way that's understood to be classically correct or, you know, good acting. They're not being asked to, uh, you know, do a Shakespeare, you know, in a way that the English might have done, you know, uh, in the last century or any of those sorts of, I mean, uh, this is why I say it, it's across all theatre that we come across these problems of not building in the reality of where we are into how we're going about things. And we set these sorts of bars up above us that, that, that sort of arbitrarily decide whether something is of quality or not. And if you build it in from the, from the ground up, from, from the sort of cellular level about, uh, you know who's in the room and why, and 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 what sort of authority that they that they're given as part of the the, the writing team and the creative team. Um, you find those those issues. Uh, I mean, they're never easy to deal with in a sense, but um, but they're just logical. They're just like they're they're just uh, necessary and and part of the the way that the way that we operate. And um, yeah, we also find that the theaters that we inhabit on our tours. Um, you know, very quickly brought up to speed in the most magnificent way because it's really, really clear what what the um, 
um, what the principles are. Yeah, it's it's a reverse of understanding. Correct. Yeah. You get the accessibility in first, and then you make a performance and theater afterwards, and you get a quality performance, a quality theater, and quality show because you're doing things in reverse than what people normally expect. And it also creates the unexpected. <laughs> it creates the unexpected. And it must be fascinating and, and so much fun to see just the whole room light up, the whole audience light up. Really. Um, and and this show in particular is a kind of a, uh, it's like a sort of, um, it's quite cunning. Uh, and and the the sort of the the way it uh, reveals its own nature is is um, it, it's really palpable that feeling that the audience kind of start with a, a sense of oh I think I know what I'm watching here oh yes tell me what you want to tell me um, and then it kind of like starts to layer and layer and become something uh, you know purely theatrical and wonderful and and I think that yeah there is nothing better than sitting in auditoriums and seeing that process um yeah and whether there's uh you know if there are elements of um you know sort of discriminatory attitudes or things in the audience or perceptions of of what the quality will be that makes it even more satisfying because they kind of come over this hurdle and go oh my gosh that is incredible um and that's but yeah like i say it's it, it doesn't really get much better than that it doesn't get much better than that <laughs> It's like an onion. You have to you think you're buying an onion and it's the yellow, the outside of the onion. And you think, oh, it must be yellow inside. And then you, mm -hmm. you take off the yellow and it's white. And then you take off another layer and it's green. So it's, mm. it's that unexpectedness. Yeah. It's a lovely metaphor, yeah. It's so different than what we expect. And now you're coming to Vancouver and showing yes. the performance at a mainstream theater festival i'm volunteering for the whole time for this i requested to requested just for the show so the overarching performance the shadow whose prey the hunter becomes what is this performance about oh the easy questions early um <laughs> it's uh it has there's a kind of a i guess a, a frame that i would give it and particularly if anyone has encountered the company before um they have been i mean not exclusively but there are a number of shows that have toured for, for, for over a decade now to the major festivals all over the world that are very big spectacularly visual kind of um you know ambitious in scale and this is kind of the uh the back-to-back -back unplugged vibe it's sort of, it's it's it, it's been um, kind of uh, the stage is empty in the in the purest sense of that word. It's it's just performers sitting in a space to start, and um, they talk and engage with each other around quite a lot of different themes around the themes of work and and around the themes of uh, around the themes of disability. And this is something that back to back doesn't often do is to make that sort of front and center as content um but of course as i say it kind of expands outwards or like you say it gets unlayered um i think the to give you a kind of a handle to grasp it, it, it's worth 
noting that we started, they started the project with a very sort of, um, uh, what's the word? It was, a, it was a piece of research that one of the, the group members had done on a, a terrible case of um, uh, modern day slavery, essentially. Um, and this is quite recent uh, and you know, still happening, it was still happening um, at that very, very close to the time that this, the project started getting made. So there was this sort of general sense of um, despair, outrage, the, the sorts of feelings that you get um, when you see that the, in other parts of the world, uh, in this case, in America, um, there's sort of exploitation going on. Um, and and the project went through lots and lots of shape-shifting changes as they trialled and they, and, they, and they sort of tried material. And at one point it was it was sort of brought to the attention that one of the, the principal actors in in the work was 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 kind of creating a persona very much like their own uh, as an activist, um, as a as a sort of um, a, a bit of a uh, firebrand, if you like, um, really kind of being provocative and challenging um, how they were being perceived by the by the audience in the room and how those sorts of stories around um, around uh, forced labour. Uh, of handicapped people or perceived handicapped people in, in different contexts, um, and and it kind of grew out of that. And that's like a, that, like I say, that's not the the subject matter of the of the piece entirely, but it's a quite a strong thread um, that sort of provokes a lot of other um, other questions. Um, and so the sort of the journey that we go on is um, is really kind of a journey of of those three performers as they negotiate each other in the telling of the story um it's quite meta in that way and it, it kind of um and the title hints at that sort of this sort of uh psychoanalytic realm this kind of um world of of, of shadow and 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 paradox that that, that that phrase the shadow whose prey the hunter becomes evokes it's a it's a brain twister you can't quite nail down what it really is refer what is the shadow what is the you know um and anyone with any sort of jungian or, or lacanian kind of understanding will recognize the the phrase or the terms of the phrase um but they're sort of revealing themselves psychologically while creating something you know sort of um visual and and tense um yeah so there's this sort of there's many many aspects to it i think the other a uh, big theme that runs through it is the relationship of the performers to um, AI. Um, and uh, we all know that the, um, you know, the experience of watching something that is subtitled or now has kind of direct translation potentials in real time. And then the sort of um, the technology around that is very present in our lives um, and is often presented as a, as an access uh, gain, you know, that, that we're all going to be better off for these sorts of uh, ways of, of being able to access content. But these guys have much more of a, a kind of um, science fiction sort of dystopic view of, of where that's headed. Um, and, and, and the, the, the production shows this kind of um, drama or this, 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 this sort of uh, narrative, um, that involves the AI that they're working with, um, which is a which is a direct translation service that sort of surtitles what it is they're talking about. 
um, and and that is the sort of the the motor, if you like, of the of the dramatic um, art and the tension of it and the the, the theatre of it. Um, and I think that that it, without it's it it's not something you want to kind of predetermine anyone to be thinking about, particularly when they go into the space. It's a space that invites you to sit with them first and really start with a blank slate. Um, but it is um, it is worth saying that they bring this uh, this sort of insight into the technology they're working with in a way that not only reflects on how it's affecting them and their performances and their lives, but really does put up that mirror and kind of go, you guys need to learn some things from us because we've been dealing with this. <laughs> we know a few things, you know, and, and for, for, for an audience to kind of go, oh, actually, um, if there was any hint of condescension in my presence here, it's now blasted out of the room. Um, yeah, it's, it's fantastic and it's funny and it's sort of, um, uh, they have a lot of fun with the live audience in the sense of, you know, being quite re reactive to, to, to how it's going in the room every night. And, um, yeah, it's got a lot of curveballs. It sounds like it has a lot of curveballs <laughs> and it's a reflection of society and how society treats people with disabilities Absolutely. and the relationship between different humans and people with technology be super fascinating and i'm so excited yeah. to watch it with that don't go anywhere because there will be more on the self-advocate on cfro co-op radio 100.5 fm with your host allison klein hey did you know red eye has a podcast you can tune in to red eye every saturday morning from 10 a.m to noon and now you can catch our interviews anytime Look for the Red Eye Podcast on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, or a host of other podcast apps. Or you can check out our latest episode right on our website, coopradio.org slash redeye. You're listening to The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Alison Klein. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Alison Mira. This episode is all about the Vancouver International Push Festival, which is happening January 18th to February 4th. One of the shows that is being highlighted at the Vancouver Push Festival is The Shadow Whose Prey the Hunter Becomes, and it is presented by Back to Back Theatre from Australia. It is being held at the York Theatre and online. So it is running from February 1st to February 4th. And I am talking with Daniel, who is one of the producers of this performance. Changing the tables a little, we did talk a lot about the positives and negatives of this performance and of just life in general with disabilities and theater with disabilities. Looking into the future, what would you hope for the future for theater and disabilities or having performers with disabilities in theater and presenting works? I think the vision that uh, we kind of embody is because there is a there's a lot of um, 
you know, there's a lot of politics involved and pushing for, you know, social change, political change um, in terms of resources, in terms of um, duty of care, and in terms of opportunities um, being uh, made available and, um, you know, the, the individual's right to, to uh, work and the individual's right to, um, you know, a basic level of, 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 of sort of having their needs met um, it's a it's a kind of a social issue as well and I think that um, there's space for lots of different um, kinds of theatre in, in 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 terms of working with performers with perceived disabilities I think that the um, the sort of utopian vision I suppose is that uh, that it becomes um, a much more everyday thing that you might find uh, casts with with mixed abilities, varying varying abilities. That um, you know, I think the performers that we work with would pr probably uh, say that one of the main satisfactions that they get from working with this particular company is is that it's it's not necessarily about their about their you know their injury or their their you know the way they were born. The the material is not dealing all the time with the, those sort of with the social politic of what they're what they're dealing with as people, as members of community, as as and as very skilled performers, you know, amazing. The the precision with which these guys work is is not. Um, you don't need to make concessions. They they are just incredible. Um, and I think if if the the so called mainstream theatres that tend to be, um, you know, the slowest of all beasts to actually catch up. Um, with with contemporary practice could could just really um, just broaden their vision of what kind of what they're representing on stage that that, that humanity is the theatre is meant to be the ultimate populist form you know it's meant to be the ultimate mirror it's it, it should be uh, capable um, in in at any, in any context to kind of work with. Uh, people of, of varying abilities, just as it's you know trying to be decolonized in various other ways. Um, this is another zone, I think, in that in that conversation. And I think that the, I mean, the the pessimism is how slow these things move, and the optimism is that uh, that, that, that things actually can can uh, are, are easily easily affected if 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 there's vision involved, and if and and what we provide partly is a kind of a uh, you know, it's it's a working model. It's something people can see and go, oh, okay, it functions. Yeah, great. That's you know, it, it can give people a sense of what is possible. Um, and I think that kind of stuff is viral. You know, it, it it gets it gets more people engaged in making. It gets more people engaged just even on a on a sort of um, you know a, a theater as as a sort of a social practice that people do regularly. Um, I mean, we meet with groups all over the world when we're touring, and we. Um, hold workshops and we have conversations and sort of learn about other groups that are working in similar territories and um, we're very fortunate to the the level to which we are funded and the level to which we are able to work um, but we're always you know we're always pushing and trying to trying to kind of you know um, help others kind of bring up other boats with us and and sort of um, yeah just to just to show ways in which things can be done that um, that sort of dissolve the, the, the boundaries and the problems. 
or perceived problems. Perceived problems. It's we an we keep coming back to that point, right? It's like right. the point that you keep coming back to. There are actually no problems. You know, it's an attitude uh, shift. That's right, and and it's not a million miles away from the same attitude shift that is 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 um you know is in the headlines when there's gross abuses of power in the process of making theatre, you know. Uh, in, in you know on a, on a Broadway level or a West End level, you know it's the same thing. It's all about are the, are our ethics implicit in how we're making the art? Um, and yeah, my my fantasy world is that is that's a viral idea that just catches. <laughs> just catches having on. that catches yeah. on and having yeah. that attitude shift the whole gamut, not just attitude shift, but also making it so that theatre comes back to a true mirror of and true reflection of society. How do we get there is yeah. is huge. How can the listener find more about back-to-back theatre and find more about this performance? The shadow whose prey the hunter becomes. The well, I mean they can um they can start with the with the push uh, festival website uh, and they can also go online to the um, uh, backtobacktheatre.com which is uh, not just a sort of it, it's a it's a very good resource I would say that I just like really check it out there's um, you, you can not just sort of read about what they're up to in terms of their production schedule and all the things that you normally find on a website but there's links to sort of how to watch the work they've done a number of video uh, based works and a film quite recently of the Shadow Who's Prey the Hunter Becomes um, was, was made into a feature over lockdown. That was the sort of COVID response of the company. Um, and you can kind of, yeah, you can find all sorts of stuff about that on their website. I think it's probably the best place to start. So go check the back-to-back theatre, uh, backtobacktheatre.com. Dot com. Theatre spelt the Australian way, which is T-H-E-A-T-R-E, uh, not E-R. And art pushfestival.ca and to go through their program and all of you will be here February 1st to February 4th at the York Theatre and online and people and the listener can also find out more about Push Festival overall and the different performances happening January 18th to February 4th. People can find information at pushfestival.ca. Thank you so much, Daniel, for talking with me today. It's been a great pleasure. You've been listening to The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Alison Klein. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Alison Mira. If you missed any part of this show or want to listen to it again, you can find it on Spotify for podcasters or wherever you find your shows. To end out this show, let's put on our outro theme song, Better Miracle by Kiprios. Kiprios is a Vancouver-based rapper. Even though he doesn't have a disability, the song, Better Miracle, talks about having a better tomorrow, but not a miracle. Enjoy more programming, everyone. My window, the sun came through.
Today was a day I thought I'd look to my window. Felt the pain that I knew. The sun heard about it when he came to, came through. Good looking out, I needed you. Today was a day that didn't need rain. My window looked to me to make a change. The sun rising to the occasion came through. Good looking out, I needed you. Oh, oh. myself I'm gonna be okay remember back then I've come a long way the dream may never ever be the same but came true still here with you and that'll do I know the road I'm on is not an easy way remember that I will define the path I take the dream yeah I'm a dreamer what can I say came true still here with you and that'll do I feel it's in my fingers I know it's in my soul now don't need I don't need a miracle just want to get a bit better it's in my fingers, I know it's in my soul now Don't need, I don't need a miracle Just want to get a little better oh, oh. I'm not asking for a miracle oh, oh. Just want to get a little bit better In life. I feel it's in my fingers, I know it's in my soul now Don't need, I don't need a miracle, just want to get a little better I feel it's in my fingers, it's in my soul 